For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. Greetings, hello, and welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show, fansided.com's latest NFL podcast inside the Stacking the Box podcast feed. My name is Matt Lombardo. I'm Fansided's NFL insider, and if you follow my career at all, you know that I covered the Philadelphia Eagles for a time, I covered the New York Giants for G-Men HQ, and I write a national weekly column on fansided.com, and that's kind of where this podcast originates from. I'm really excited to bring you inside the NFL, and for the podcast to kind of serve as the audio complement to the column each week, where I'll hope to bring you the inside perspective from the people that I talk to, executives in front offices, coaches, players, agents, the people who make the decisions inside the league that you might not have the chance to hear from every week. And we're going to bring on guests each week. We're going to get their perspective starting this week with Matt Chatham, former linebacker for the New England Patriots, a three-time Super Bowl champion, to kind of get his perspective on what's happening in New England this week and Bill Belichick's reaction to Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl in his first season in Tampa Bay, and Jeff Diamond, the former general manager of the Minnesota Vikings and the Tennessee Titans and the 1999 Executive of the Year. Jeff was really insightful in terms of some of the big moves in free agency and what he thinks is going to be coming down the pipeline with this new TV rights deal and how it's going to change the business of the NFL. So really excited to get to that, and this really couldn't be more of an exciting time to get the podcast up and running with free agency in full swing and a lot of moves have already been made that are reshaping the league and a lot of moves still to come with some big names still out there. Kenny Galladay visiting with the New York Giants as we're taping this podcast. Juju Smith-Schuster returning to the Pittsburgh Steelers, keeping a really young and dynamic trio of wide receivers together in Pittsburgh for quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. And we've already had some really big quarterback moves, some that leave you scratching your head a little bit, including Andy Dalton going to Chicago with all of the rumors kind of unfounded that the Bears were going to be able to make a move for Russell Wilson in a trade with the Seattle Seahawks. But you have some other quarterback moves as well. And the biggest one of all being Dak Prescott re-signing with the Dallas Cowboys and really providing stability for both sides. You look at that deal, and it's a deal that, you know, gives the Cowboys their quarterback in place. They probably overpaid. They probably were forced to overpay because they've dropped the ball over the last couple of seasons and really were dragging across the finish line to getting that deal done. But Dak Prescott had all of the leverage in the world after what happened last year when he got hurt and you saw kind of the quarterback carousel turning around and turning around with them falling off after he got hurt in week five. Dak had a lot of leverage and he, you know, for lack of a better term, leveraged it into the type of deal that pays him handsomely right now, right behind Patrick Mahomes, which is where he was looking to be. And it sets him up to have one more big payday at the end of his career. This isn't the last contract for Dak Prescott. And I think this is a deal that both sides can be really happy with. And speaking of both sides, you look at what's happening in Tampa Bay right now. And I look at Jason Light, the Buccaneers general manager, and the moves that they've made in free agency. And I think that he might be arguably one of the more forward-thinking GMs in football today. And that goes back even a year ago with what they've been able to do drafting so well after the past three or four years. They were able to turn those impressive drafts and cap space into finding a way to get Tom Brady in the first place. And then this offseason, after winning the Lombardi Trophy, winning the Super Bowl with Tom Brady in his first year, they extend him to lower his cap number, which 
gives them the opportunity and the flexibility and the ability to keep the band in place. And they've really done a great job. There are a lot of people who were wondering what they were going to do with Shaq Barrett. And there was all the debate about whether or not it was going to be Barrett or Chris Godwin who was going to be franchise tagged and what that meant for the other guy. Well, guess what? Liked in the Buccaneers, we're able to keep both of them. Of course, they keep Chris Godwin on the franchise tag, which I think is the right move. And you talk to agents around the league going into this week, and the belief was they tagged Godwin because they didn't think they had to tag Barrett. And, you know, we can look at what's happened with wide receiver and the fact that Juju Smith-Schuster is settling on a one-year deal. The price tag didn't really, you know, boom for wide receivers, largely because of oversaturation on the market of great players, and largely because this is just such a deep and talented wide receiver class. You'll get the Jamar Chases and the Jalen Waddles and the Devontae Smiths, and whatever you think of Kyle Pitts, whether he's a receiver or a tight end, you have five or six dynamic electrifying weapons that are all top 15 select. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know? There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know? A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. And it's a deep class overall at the position, much like it was a year ago, which has basically kept the price tag of these veteran receivers down. But still, you get Godwin, a top 10 and developing talent at wide receiver. You keep the the trio together of Mike Evans, Godwin, and oh yeah, you're bringing Rob Gronkowski back on a one-year $10 million contract. You're bringing back Levante David, who in the Super Bowl, you saw him along with Devin White, instrumental in that win, instrumental to the dominance of that Tampa Bay front seven. And I just can't say enough about what Tampa Bay has been able to do this offseason. And you look around the NFC, the Bears have their quarterback issues that we touched on briefly. Aaron Rodgers is about to collect AARP in a couple of years with the Green Bay Packers. I don't know how long they can keep their window propped open. Seattle, with all of the acrimony surrounding Russell Wilson and the issues they've had up front, Tampa Bay's positioned itself now for the next two years to potentially be the favorites out of the NFC to go to and fight for the Super Bowl. And there are a lot of other teams, or at least a handful of teams, that are making similar moves and a similar philosophy of taking care of your own, keeping your young core together, doing what you need to do to facilitate your quarterback remaining one of the best in the league. And I look at Buffalo. They're another team that's following this blueprint and following this philosophy. And I don't know that there's been a bigger winner in free agency than Josh Allen. Because you look at the Bills a year ago, and they barnstormed through the AFC. And I thought going back to last year, 2019, that they were a team that had the young core in place with a quarterback, with a Devin Singletary at running back, with some dynamic wide receivers. Last year, they go out and they get better, and they bring in Stephon Diggs. And of course, his impact was monumental to the Bills this past year. But you look what they were able to do. They're keeping their young guys together. They've frantically and frenetically done everything they could to keep their free agents in place rather than overspending at the top of the market. But they still got better. They still went out and they traded for Emmanuel Sanders. And you look at Sanders and what he's been able to do, 11.9 yards per reception. Quarterbacks had a 112.5 passer rating when targeting him. And from the people I talked to around the league, I don't know that they're done. I think they could still go out and bring in a Zach Ertz. And if you drop Zach Ertz into that offense with Diggs and Sanders, oh, baby, look out. You thought it was bombs away before with Josh Allen? Just think about what the Bills could do if they add Ertz in there to this core. And that's really following the Buccaneers' blueprint, locking up your own players, keeping your young core together, building around your quarterback. Obviously, the Bills are in a little bit of a different situation, much more winnable division, much younger quarterback than a 43-year-old Tom Brady who might play into his 60s at this rate. But still, the philosophy is the same. But then you look around the league, and you look at some of these other teams, and you look at New England, for example. They've kind of been crowned the free agency champions this year, and obviously, you don't win Super Bowls in March. You don't win championships in free agency. And there seems to be 
a divergence of philosophy going on with Bill Belichick and the Patriots right now. They typically were in the Jason liked Buffalo Bills, Tampa Bay corner of how they handled free agency. Not really big spenders. And when someone left New England via free agency, it was usually because it was the end of the line. Usually because they didn't have a lot left in the tank. But you look at what the Pats have done. And they went out and they got Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, two of the premier pass-catching tight ends available. Now, you can argue, you know, whether or not they deserve the money that they got. You can argue whether the production merits the contracts that they were given. I happen to be really high on Jonu Smith, and I think that might be their best signing overall. But they went out and they got last year's breakout wide receiver in Nelson Aguilar. They went out and they improved their defense getting Henry Anderson up front. They signed Jalen Mills, which is a little bit of a head-scratcher because in Philly, when I was on the beat... There wasn't really a home for Jalen Mills. Couldn't really play outside. Got burnt at nickel. They had to put him at safety. Now, Jalen Mills might step in and replace Patrick Chung, who retired this week. And certainly, it just goes to show you that they're going into free agency looking for veteran players, looking to build a roster that isn't learning on the fly that you would have to do if you were drafting. And that shows me that maybe there's a little bit of short-term thinking with Bill Belichick, that maybe he needs to go all in to borrow a poker metaphor on this year and next year to try to win a Super Bowl. But they also went out and they got Matt Judon, one of the top defenders on the market. So they've spent a lot. And I caution Patriots fans that when you see so many high-priced veterans, when you see so many mercenaries, quote-unquote, signed in one offseason, that you're going to be able to leverage that into wins, into championship-caliber football. Now, it might work out, but I look at the Patriots in the AFC East, and I think they're still looking up pretty far at the Bills. I think the Bills leapfrog them, and they're kind of on their way. I think Miami is getting better, and who knows what's going to happen at quarterback, whether it's Tua, whether it's Deshaun Watson, whether they draft a quarterback, who knows what happens there. But Brian Flores' swarming defense and the talent that they have on both sides of the ball, I think Miami is a team the Patriots are still playing catch-up with. Now, Cam Newton is a guy like Josh Allen who's a big winner in free agency because I think you're going to see the Cam Newton that we saw in the first month of last season before his COVID shutdown than what we saw down the stretch when he was sacked 26 times and couldn't control the football and, and had a turnover problem. I think you're going to see a much better Cam Newton. I think that the Patriots are better. But I don't think that that's going to necessarily translate into them winning 11, 12, 13 games. We'll see what happens there. But we have an action-packed podcast on the other side. We'll chat with Matt Chatham, get his thoughts on what's happening in New England, his thoughts on Bill Belichick, his perspective on this Belichick-Brady quote-unquote rivalry. I'm excited to hear what he has to say. Welcome back. As promised, we're joined by former New England Patriots linebacker and three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Chatham. Matt, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today, man? Doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Of course, happy to have you and a great guest to kick off the podcast. And, you know, you've won three Super Bowls in your career, but you've done something in a Super Bowl that Tom Brady never has. You tackled a streaker. What the <laughs> heck was that like? Uh, you know, you said that fact and I had to like quick, like rack my brain. I was like, wait, has Tom tackled? <laughs> like, I don't know that fact to be true. I just know that, yes, I, I was involved with that. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, he's done a lot of things, so obviously, <laughs> yeah, and he's been in the Super Bowl a few times, so maybe yes. it's happened at some point. But, yeah. you know, speaking of Brady, as someone who was teammates with him all these years, what was it like watching him go down to Tampa Bay and go on a Super Bowl run and finish the season the way they did, you know, rattling through the second half of the season and then, you know, shocking the world to a degree and beating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? I just say, as a friend and teammate, you're just thrilled for him that he's happy. He looks really happy, uh, you know, from the handful of, of interactions we've had in the last year. It's just he's thrilled, you know. He's in a good place. And uh, I think that it's, it's sort of two divergent things, though. It's, it, it's completely unrelated to his joy and, and appreciation for this place. And that was over. And uh, this is a new thing. And, and I, I completely understand the itch to try something else. <laughs> you know, I was just, you know, whatever it was, the six years in New England and then those few years down in New York with the Jets. I, I mean, Tom didn't, Tom didn't act on that itch until after the 20th year, <laughs> which is yeah. insanity. Like, no one has ever gone that deep. I mean, even from your Elways and Mannings and all the guys uh, far that have been big-time sort of stalwart Yellow Jacket guys, you know, they bypassed that, you know, they, they acted on that itch much earlier. So Tom, 20 years with one coach, one place, I just, it was, you know, we're not talking, you know, 19th T this is like 2015. Like he's just way, way down the line. 
And I understand it and I, I get it and I'm glad he's happy. And I think the thing that really shone through is it, it was immediate. You know, the leadership this dude has, he's just a, he's a weird guy. And I say that in, a, in an affectionate way, but he, he's, he's somewhat robotic. He's extremely passionate. Uh, it, it's very difficult to see any, any wavering in his commitment to something that looked a certain way to me 15 years, 15 plus years ago. And it looks the same now. And, and I've been around older players. We were in, in New York, you know, one of those years was the Favre year. And, you know, it's, it's very difficult when your body starts hitting those stages to, to want it as bad as you did those years prior. And I think that just makes guys like Brett and guys like Peyton and Drew, who's just now hung them up, normal. Tom's not normal. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's really, really makes him special. You mentioned weird. And I know you've played with other quarterbacks and other veteran quarterbacks. Weird how? Because, you know, we all see from the outside – you know, arguably the greatest competitor in the history of sports, any sport, right? But, but you know, what's he like in the huddle? What's he like in a locker room? What's he like as a teammate? Well, I mean, I've, I've told this anecdotes for years, but, you know, I was a, an unofficial un, non-paying uh, roommate of his during one of the summers there early on when he was a rookie living in this place. And he bought a place and a lot of us were just renting in other spots. But I would say this with Tom, you know, he was this way playing Mario Kart. He was this way playing Tecmo Bowl. He's this way if we played darts. Uh, he had a pool table in the in the basement of this condo, and we would play dollar games. He was the same way with that. I mean, everything was exceptionally competitive. He absolutely hates to lose, and he takes it serious once the competition starts. And I think that's weird and that I think a lot of people have chill mode and progressive snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with progressive snapshot, but saving or not, just put it down. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. No, Tom does outside of football, of course. But, you know, once he gets in that mode, it's, it's, again, I'm saying robotic, but I'm not saying it's sort of a negative thing. It's just that uh, he has a a bizarre uh, level of focus that, I don't know, in my life, I've never seen another human being like that, other maybe Bill, you know, Coach Belichick, but just, you know, in a different function. It's funny you mentioned not being the 19th hole, that this is like the 25th hole for Tom Brady since he moved on from New England. Just a little funny aside, a good friend of mine lives near a golf course about three hours away from my house, and every spring they have an all-you-can-play coupon. So Mm. I'll drive up there, and last (laughs) year we played 72 holes, right? And I was exhausted, but it was unbelievable and it was incredible. I guess the reason I bring that up is, you know, Tom's 43. He just signed that new contract. How many holes does he play? Does he play till he's 50? Is this just the last hurrah, this contract? You know him a little bit. How do you think this plays out? I mean, everything I've, I've, I've gotten from him or heard from him is that, you know, he's unwavering as far. And I think it always, it always comes back to your body. Uh, but he hasn't had any physical hiccups, which I obviously he'll, he'll attribute, attribute that to his, his awesome program that he has. He just has a ridiculous com- commitment to that thing as well. But, but beyond that, it's, it's the emotional part. It, it kind of reverts back to some of those first comments we were talking about him. It's just, it's really hard once you've done such an intense sport for whatever, like nine months of the calendar to, to go through that few months of downtime and want to do it again. Not, not be, I'm not talking about being willing to do it again for the right. amount of money out there, but like wanting to go do it. And I just think as long as that doesn't change, as long as you don't become apathetic, which is super easy. It's normal. I mean, every long-term NFL guy has had this, I know when, you know, entering camp in my ninth year, I was having conversations with my wife about this is it. <laughs> like I'm right. beat up. I'm Humpty Dumpty. I'm just taped together here. I'm, I'm just, this is the end of the road, no matter what happens this season. But, you know, you, you always get the sense from Tom. It's like, he's nowhere near that. And it's just so crazy that, you know, at, at this stage of life, he's still there both mentally and physically. You know, let's flip to the other side of that Patriot dynasty coin and talk a little bit about Bill Belichick, because there's been so much talk and so much speculation that watching Tom have success in Tampa Bay was personal for him, that that he felt like maybe 
now Brady's getting too much of the credit, so to speak, for the dynasty that you guys built up there for two decades, which is really unprecedented in any sport. Do you buy into any of that? Do you feel like any of this offseason spending is kind of Belichick's reaction to seeing Brady go somewhere and have it go so well? And quite frankly, it not go well for Belichick and the Patriots this year. Yeah, the way I would take that, Matt, is the only way for that to be true is that he would have had to have had some sort of lower level of competitiveness prior to that act, right? Right. As, as if he would not have done that but for Tom having success. That's not Bill. <laughs> and that's what, that's what makes sort of that idea that he was, you know, some sort of high but not highest motivated guy. And then he saw some other dude across the country who had a wonderful relationship have success. And so that pushed Bill harder. No, that ain't Bill. Bill. Bill is an assassin one way or the other. The oddball thing that was 2020 was just it was sort of sort of known to be a dump year. It was going to be hard. You know, that the, the after effects of Tom's contract that he left, uh, where they were sitting cap wise, uh, the eight opt outs, you know, not finding your quarterback until camp, basically, and having no live practices, all that stuff. But the, the, the greater point here is just that Bill was going to pivot as he's always done. I think it was after the old, the 11 year, uh, they had a year that was, you know, not seven to nine like this, but still not up to his standard. And he immediately come out, came out guns blazing. And that wasn't because some other former players did, did well, or some other former coach of his was having success elsewhere. That's just because that's how he's driven. And he's a problem solver. That doesn't mean that problems don't happen to him. It just means that when they do, he's going to be exceptionally aggressive to resolve them. And he's really good at pinpointing what it is. No doubt. And, and all you hear about is the aggressiveness of Bill Belichick. You hear about, you know, the grueling nature of playing for the Patriots. And, you know, some people who have left that, that place have said that, you know, the Patriot way is grading on people. What, what was your experience playing for Bill uh, during your career? And is, is there any truth to that, you know, notion that playing for him might be more exceptionally difficult than other coaches? Or is it just a matter of, hey, listen, we're going to the Super Bowl almost every year and winning cures everything? What's that like? I'd say my, my big experience with this is that the players around the NFL run the gamut. There, there are a myriad of different personalities that are driven by certain things, that enjoy certain things, that are comfortable in certain situations. And when I left New England after those six and, and arrived in New York uh, with Mangini, uh, granted, who's sort of trying to do a pseudo bill kind of thing there. Another bill disciple. Yeah, but but they're coming off Herm, right? And Herm Edwards was beloved by many, but you're going to have, and there was a portion of a locker room that was tired of the looseness, right? So there's the, the point of this is that there's going to be as many people who might find Bill grading and you know find that kind of approach something that's very difficult to get through. Those same type, there's another type that really wants the strictures that like really wants the, you know, the, the organization and loathes the looseness of some other approaches. So the, the point of it is, is there's really both sides all throughout the league. It's not even a two-sided thing. It's just sort of a, a spectrum, I guess. So yeah, it, it's super hard. I, I always, we always sort of jokingly say that, uh, you know, the six years with Bill or whatever guy, if a guy had 10 or whatever it would be, I think it's, it should count like a 1.25 per year. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> I, you know, I did six, that should count about eight and a half. Don't, don't check my arithmetic, but what, whatever it is, like if, you know, it, it just, it does, it feels like a longer year. And, and, but the, the thing about it is that you never complain is the reward at the end and, and it's always great. And you never, you never begrudge it after you get it. It's just, uh, you know, it, some people I think fly through an NFL season a little easier because it's more whatever player friendly is the phrase people like to use, but there are a huge amount of people in the NFL that don't want it to be loose. They want to win and they like the control aspect. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just to each his own, I guess. You know, how out of character is this offseason for them, though? Because they've always been the organization that kind of, if they didn't sit out free agency, maybe they signed one marquee guy. But it was always about retaining their own. Um, and when it was time to go, it was time to go. You know, there weren't many Patriots that left and had success at other places. But you see them just this week, Hunter Henry, John o. Smith, Nelson Aguilar, a slew of others. How out of character of the, of, for them is this? And do you think there's any, you know, tracing back to seeing Brady win motivating Bill to go out and be this aggressive on the open market? I would say it's less about seeing Brady win and just knowing you're in a particular conference in a division that's that's improving rapidly with teams like the Bills and, and the Dolphins. And I hope I'm not sort of 
sliding the jets, but it's a little unknown now because they had a coaching change. But I would just simply say that they're, you know, those are the conditions they have to react to. Not so, not necessarily what's going on with, with Bruce and Tampa. Um, But, but I, I think we always have to sort of acknowledge the conditions that, that prompted this. It's not as if the Patriots in these previous other sort of 20 examples if you were to do sort of comparison analysis of how they generally react to free agency, it's not as if in those other moments, they also had $70 million of free agency cap or of, of cap space and then reacted differently. They've never had this amount of cap space. So there's never a moment where they had that much to fill. And they had the unique circumstances of a year ago where you get eight opt-outs, several of those opt-outs were older players. So you don't retain necessarily all of them. They had huge attrition through free agents. They did fill in the year, Calvin Noy, Jamie Collins, Landon Roberts, basically their top three linebackers left and they didn't replace them. Uh, so there was going to be some activity. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And I thought that the sort of oddball part that, that I think it's a little bit missed in sort of the flurry of activity is that it, it's pretty much balanced about 50, 50 for me that the, 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 the headline grabbers and understandably so those two tight ends, right. you know, Henry and, and, and Jonu Smith is what grabs you because that's new and that's new money. And it's taking two second contracts putting it in one room I believe they're both top five contracts now at the position which is really odd you know you don't see any two top five corners or two top five tackles or two top five running backs or whatever it may be in and they one didn't play a lot of 12 personnel last year they didn't they didn't none. run out a lot of top, top two tight end none. sets yeah virtually none Matt it was really low so they kind of were getting back to their norm by doing that but really really my point is with with, with the whole idea of of, of the aggressiveness there, there's two sides to it you, you talked about retaining your own is really more the the normal modus operandi kind of thing they went back and did that as well but it was with kyle vanoy it was with ted karras returning it was with trent brown returning it's now retaining De- david andrews who was an under contract dietrich uh dietrich wise so you have whatever that is five examples of guys who were here in a couple of the instances and now returning. And then a few that they did retain as well. So it's sort of a blend of new money. There's the Jalen Mills, which is obviously a new contract as well. And you mentioned uh, the receiver group and tight ends, but they kind of did a little of both. But again, I think it's all driven by the fact that they have this massive amount of space in a year where the cap moved back towards them. So people were shedding vets. So your air quote top of market deals aren't as top of market in a normal year. So right. you got a lot of kind of phony two and three year deals where uh, the cap number is actually pretty low in year one. So even though they did all this floor, they still got, uh, I think the number is somewhere in the mid 25s of, of remaining cap space to go if they, if they want to do more things. Now, just moving off the Patriots a little bit here. I know Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs lost this Super Bowl and they lost it to Brady, but it feels like with Andy Reid and Mahomes and all of that speed on offense and a hyper aggressive GM and Brett Veach that they're on the cusp of building a dynasty of their own. How many do you think they can win? How many rings can Mahomes win for them? I think the real big question with those guys is uh, they're going to—they're hitting the spot that Seattle once hit. Uh, they're hitting the spot that may, maybe New England hit after you know sort of their low in the middle of the the two threes, uh, where you, you get close. But well, I guess I mean, Seattle is probably your best example. I mean, they were the the team that's going to go win five, right? You know, you got the. The defense, it's so incredibly heralded. You've got this new quarterback that's just the hot new thing. Russell's the guy. and He's going to win all these things. The Patriots really interrupted that ascension, the, the notion of that happening. And I, I think that's kind of where the Chiefs sit. You, you usually don't get that many chances in this league. They're fleeting. There's windows that open and close quickly on you. Uh, and I think usually the challenge is not how many can you get with Patrick, with Kelsey, with Hill, because Kelsey and Hill will continue to age and presumably at some point be gone while Patrick continues on playing excellently for maybe 15 or more years. But the challenge in the how many can you get is as those guys age and change and aren't as excellent, excellent, do you, do you refill the coffers? They've got an unusual thing going on where they drop two really high-end tackles in Schwartz and Fisher. And they now they bring back in the new money by getting Joe Tooney from the Patriots, but that's a guard, not a tackle. So I think they have a challenge to keep the band together and in keeping the band together, it was only good enough to be close and only get there one out of three times. So it's a big challenge, man. And it sucks. And I've been on the other side of it when you're in, when I was in New York, where you're just chasing and chasing and chasing and trying to prevent someone else from doing it. 
you only get close so many times. So I, I just, I'm always a little hesitant to project out a bunch of, of these championship wins. It's more just a really amazing thing to get that close three times and extra frustrating. You only get across the line once. Oh, no doubt about it. And I grew up a big Philadelphia Phillies fan and my dad and I were there. We were in the stands in 2008, the night that they won. And I looked at him, I said, this is great. We're going to be back. And you know, what <laughs> dynasty they have. Right. And he right. looks at me and all of the tears of joy and all of the happiness that they just blinked out of his eyes for a second. And he goes, goes look around and savor this because who knows yep. if they're ever going to be back and they weren't and, and i'm not saying that the chiefs are going to be in that same mold that they're going to have the same sort of drop off but you know you look at the chiefs and you look at mahomes do people make the mistake that he's so good he's so gifted and he's such an elite quarterback and a quarterback driven league that they're just going to be that dynasty and not enough people are looking at them with the cautionary tale that maybe you are you know projecting onto them right now I just say, you know, the, the performance of the Super Bowl is, I think, telling, and it doesn't take anything away from Patrick. But, uh, you know, in the event that you don't get great line play and he has a day where even independent of the line play, he doesn't play his best game, they won't win. And that, you know, that's that's something that uh, unfortunately is just, you know, a function of our game. It's very uh, it's it's 53 guys driven, I guess, in game day 45. But there's a lot there's a lot of factors that go into winning. And it's not just. You're excellent at the guy who takes a snap from center. Therefore, you'll get these things. I think Aaron Rodgers is a great example of that. He's always been great. Sure. But that doesn't bring you anything. It doesn't guarantee you anything. It did once for them. So, you know, it, that's that's the situation I think the Chiefs are in. No one's going to doubt, you know, Patrick's talent. His, he's affable. He's an awesome figure for the league, a, a great face for the league. But if we were talking about basketball, and this was, you know, Patrick, one of five with a bench depth up to nine people or something like that i think that those kind of conversations more make more sense but because there are so many factors that go into getting there and so much changes year to year now we're in a in a cap crunch situation where things went backwards so they got to really sort of remake themselves and who knows where they come out of this um you know especially with ascending teams like the bills who seem to be really maybe potentially even putting a stronger team on the field next year than they did a year ago so the titans and you know we go down the list there's a lot of teams that are nipping at the heels that aren't just going to be okay with the you know let's just presume the chiefs to be the top of this and we'll chase them for a decade it might just be a window three or four years and then they'll have to rebuild and get there another way for sure could very well be and just you know broadening the scope out even wider watching this week play out really the last two weeks you know with all the speculation who are the big winners in free agency in your opinion across the league i have to to couch here slightly matt because i i constantly on Nesson and and in Twitter I make fun of the phrase winner in free agency <laughs> so you know it's underdog fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app draft your team and that's it and if drafts aren't your thing they also have a pick 'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night use promo code radio and underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash deposit $100 Get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply. Funny you say that because I, I had an executive of an AFC team tell me writing the column this week that he's been involved in some really raucous March celebrations, popping champagne, <laughs> the whole deal, and they wound up going nowhere close to the postseason. So I totally agree with the notion, and that adage still applies for sure. Right. Yeah, I guess just all I, all I mean by that is, uh, you know, you, you you win if they you win when they play to what you projected. You don't win by virtue of getting the contracts. So that's that's the real difficulty here. I mean, the, the Eagles with the All Star team thing was an example from several years ago uh, when with the with the Terrell Owens year, I believe it was, where they were talking about they had a you know team of destiny or whatever whatever the phrases they use. But I think we've been around this sort of. Uh, you know, time year and year, year and year again, when free agency hits, the reason some groups look, you know, to have been more aggressive and did 10 signings, it's not as if there was a free throw competition between 32 teams and, Hey, look, this team made the most of them. Therefore they win. There's a rate. There's a reason the Patriots had to go out and sign that many because they had the, that many holes to fill. Uh, they didn't win free agency over the team that actually has a pretty full roster and didn't need to be as aggressive. So I just tend to think that it's you're in that because of other reasons. You're aggressive in that because of other reasons. And you don't win it if they don't actually play to what your projection is. So I always kind of think that the winning of free agency thing is sort of told years later. And by then we kind of don't care because we're on to the next thing. <laughs> for sure. And speaking of on to the next thing, I'm just curious for you personally, what's life like after the NFL? 
Well, for me, uh, when I was with the Jets, uh, I had in that first season, I had uh, it's called a it's my sesamoid joint on my big toe, my left foot. Um, I shredded it. So I was covering Thomas Jones, I believe, out in just practice out on the crappy turf there at Hofstra. <laughs> and uh, this was in a passing camp or something early in the offseason. And I caught and, you know, I dislocated my big toe, it was basically sideways, bunions, inch and a half outside of my shoe. So I opted to not have surgery and just sort of reset it and tape it straight and try to play through that thing for the year. And then I had a reconstruction the next offseason. Um, so I have like a, you know, tape and bubble gum kind of big toe and, and it doesn't really hurt me that much, but I've now had, I believe three knee surgeries since then as a, as a former player. And it's not because I have a problem with my knee. It's because it wears that way in an oddball fashion, right over the top of the toe. Right. So I've got no, no cartilage there now. Meniscus is torn all that stuff from where, you know, I got neck problems. I got, you know, a bunch of other things from from playing days. I got screws all other places in my body, elbow redone. Like I've had lots of stuff that should be bothering me, but it's actually this new thing that was a compensatory thing for another problem I had. So uh, I had platelet-rich plasma injections in my knee a couple weeks ago, and they're not working yet. So <laughs> I'm probably looking at another knee surgery. That was just a long-winded answer to say. Uh, there's a lot of pain <laughs> involved and it, uh, the stuff lingers, especially as you age. If you could do it all over again, would you? Oh, absolutely. And, and twice on Sunday, I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's a, there's a change twice on Sunday. I've heard of double headers in baseball, a football <laughs> double header. I mean, it's, it's kind of grueling, man. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> tough. Yeah. So I probably have even more problems in that scenario, but no, I, no, definitely. And I think that's, uh, you know, you understand the trade-off. It's not as if I expected to to do what I was doing and come out pristine. I mean, I was uh, a linebacker that had to play all four spots as a backup. Uh, but then also I was a special teams player. That was my real role in the league. And, uh, you know, I'm a big guy in the two fifties, six, four, whatever, and can run a little and I'm crashing. And this is a time where wedges existed in the kickoffs and I'm both hitting the wedge and then also in the wedge uh, for the New York years. So uh, there's a you know, reason I, they banned that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm taking on an average game about 12 hits that are probably as big or anything that happens in an offensive and defensive play. And man, those things take a toll. <laughs> it's like 12 car accidents or 10 or maybe 15 depends on the scoring that happened on that day. And, uh, you know, there are nothing that granted there are hits in, you know, a pulling, pulling lineman where you got a kick and wham plays and things like that on the interior of the, you know, the big 260, 270 fullback types where you have them on lead plays. There are moments where you'll have something that's kind of comparable, but the wedge contact, man, you feel it in your toes, you feel it in your hair, <laughs> if that even makes sense. But those things, uh, those things you suffer. But I say that because it's not as if it's a surprise to me. I didn't do that saying, well, this will be great when I'm 50. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> You kind of you know that that comes with the territory. Well, Matt, this has been fantastic. It's been insightful. It's been a great conversation. I appreciate you taking the time. Before I let you go, though, when people think of Matt Chatham, the football player, or even Matt Chatham, the social media presence, what do you want them to think? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about the game, and, and I think I, I, I chose to do this. I went and got an MBA from Babson. It's a you know one, number, one or number one rated entrepreneurial MBA program in the country. It has been for years, and I, I actually kind of stepped away from football the first few years out and had no intention of coming back into this. Uh, I got lured back in by some, some local producers and friends and, uh, and I don't regret it, but I like this. It's like the Godfather. Once you think you're out, they, they pull you back in, right? <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, so I don't know. I just like, I like to think that yeah, I had a, a fair amount of experience and a, a, a perspective that I can share. But I'm also super interested in being a pretty well-rounded guy, um, you know, heavily interested in foodie-related things and smoking food. And that MBA that I have is 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 a is a big sort of guiding light for other things I do off social media and off of of sports and other things I'm involved in. So just the well-roundedness, I think, is is a good way that I hope to be remembered. Beautiful. What what's in the smoker? What's the go-to uh, smoked meat that you throw in there, or is it like mac and cheese? I've had smoked mac and cheese once, and it was delicious. Right. But what's your go-to? Uh, I don't have a go-to. I'm, I'm actually really, I do it I, because I do everything. I, I, I have a, an affinity, I guess, for, for cold smoking as much as the, the normal low and slow stuff. I, I like to smoke cheese and sausages and uh, uh, salmon and, you know, any of the smoke, cold smoked fish and things like that. But then, yeah, when you get into the basics, I, I, you know, I, I go after everything from meatloaf to, 
to ribs and, you know, to brisket and shoulders and all the different kinds of things. I, I pretty much do it all, but I've gotten to the point now where I smoke everything to the extent where my wife's like, all right, one night off. Like we don't, we don't have to smoke. <laughs> we don't have to smoke, smoke our bowls of cereal. <laughs> Sounds like me with the air fryer. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Matt, this has been great. Appreciate you taking the time. He's Matt Chatham. Follow him on Twitter at Chatham58. Just a tremendous, enlightening conversation. Matt, appreciate the time. Enjoy the weekend and best to you and your family. You as well, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Really terrific insight there from Matt Chatham, and I think his perspective on the Chiefs is an interesting one, because Patrick Mahomes is obviously the most gifted quarterback walking the planet, but we saw in the Super Bowl that when your offensive line isn't up to snuff, when you're starting three backups along the offensive line and you're playing a defense as dominant as the Buccaneers' front seven is, as Todd Bowles' defense was all year long, quarterback can only take you so far. But you look at what Brett Veach is doing. And they went out and they brought in Joe Thune, arguably the premier offensive guard available. They're bringing back Mike Remmers to play offensive tackle. They've made it a priority to shore up that offensive line in front of Patrick Mahomes. And I mentioned earlier on the podcast that there might not be a better fit for Zach Ertz than the Buffalo Bills. But Yahoo Sports, Nate Taylor reported this week that the Chiefs of all teams could be in the mix for Ertz. Now, can you imagine... Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey in the same offense, catching passes from Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill and Mecole Hartman on the outside. I, I mean, you know, you could score 100 points every week with that offense. And, you know, that to me is another team that has a philosophy in place of bringing in former first and second round picks, electrifying, speedy, reliable pass catchers at the skill positions, and they have the luxury of building around the best quarterback in the world. But as Matt pointed out, and I, I can tend to agree with him that it's not all about the quarterback position. I think the Chiefs have the best chance of anybody of replicating the Patriots dynasty, but I don't think we're ever going to see a 20-year run like we saw with Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and the Patriots. I think that you can look at Mahomes and you look at Andy Reid. I think they punch their ticket to the Super Bowl as long as those two are together. Now, Buffalo might jump up and, and make a trip one year and, and trip them up in an AFC championship game. I think the Browns are a team to take seriously if they go out and they improve their pass rush and Baker Mayfield continues to get better. There are teams that can present legitimate challenges. Baltimore's another one if Lamar Jackson becomes as complete a passer as he is a dominant runner. But in my opinion... The Chiefs are a team that can punch their Super Bowl ticket for the foreseeable future. So great stuff from Matt. And coming up on the other side, we'll chat with Jeff Diamond, the former general manager of the Minnesota Vikings and the Tennessee Titans, get his thoughts on this offseason's biggest winners and losers, the moves that he's liked, the moves that he scratched his head at, and what the future of the NFL business holds in 2022 and beyond. So stay tuned to that. Hi, welcome back. And joining us now on the Matt Lombardo Show is former NFL general manager of the Minnesota Vikings and the Tennessee Titans and the 1999 Executive of the Year, Jeff Diamond. Jeff, appreciate you taking a few minutes today. Hey, thanks, Matt. Good to be with you. Yep, always great to talk shop and cut it up talking football with you. Uh, and Jeff, we're a week into free agency, and that's if you include the legal tampering period and everything that goes on ahead of the open market actually beginning. I'm curious, is there a move that stands out above the rest that you look at and you say that that really made a team significantly better so far? Well, I, I think that I would probably start with, with the Patriots with their double tight end signing of Hunter Henry and Jadu Smith. And I think they've certainly upgraded what they want to do offensively and kind of getting back to that old Gronkowski Hernandez duo that they had that was so successful. And so I, I think that was very impressive. I think that what Tampa Bay has been able to accomplish in a, in a very obviously difficult salary cap year as the, as the Super Bowl champs, who started out very tight against the cap and then with their creativity and counting on a future increases in the cap, which I'm sure will happen with the new TV contracts and everything else that's going on. And hopefully with fans back in the stands this season. And so they're banking on the cap jumping significantly next year and in the future. And so, and meanwhile, they, they get a lot of help from Tom Brady with the way he structured his little extension and with, with voidable years. And just that strategy has enabled Tampa Bay to be able to surprisingly bring back a lot of really key guys. And I'm talking about 
<clears throat> two of their top defensive guys in Shaq Barrett and Levante David, and and then being able to franchise Chris Godwin and then re-signing Gronk. So essentially, they're they're pretty much full strength and ready to go defend their title, which was surprising because I think most people thought, well, they can't keep both Barrett and Godwin and and David and but they've been able to do it because of, of the creativity with avoidable years on the contracts and being able to really kind of slash Brady's salary cap number, which he's been willing to do over the years, obviously, in New England and now in Tampa Bay. No doubt about it. And I think that's a really interesting jumping off point because I wrote about this in my column on Wednesday and we talked a lot about it earlier on in the pod, but there seems to be two really differentiating points of view on free agency. And Jason liked and what they're doing down there in Tampa Bay is as forward thinking as anything we've seen in the NFL in recent years. And that seems to be one strategy, right? The Bills are doing the same thing, kind of desperately doing what you need to do to keep your core together and build your core with young players and maybe add here and there in a very targeted approach. And then you see New England going out and you brought up bringing in Hunter Henry and John o. Smith. I'd add Nelson Aguilar and the receivers to that mix and the Raiders as well, going shopping at the top of the market. As a former general manager, which philosophy is more prudent and what would you advise a team to do in today's economic climate? Well, I think it depends. I think if you if you feel like you're very close to a Super Bowl team or you are a Super Bowl team, then I think there is there is logic in trying to to do these voidable year deals and and do things such as restructures. And I did that back in 1998 after the 97 season in Minnesota when we had won a playoff game in New York against the Giants and then got beat in the playoffs, but we felt like we had a really strong team coming back. And, and so I did a bunch of restructures with guys like Chris Carter, extended him, John Randall did a a long-term deal with him, two future hall of famers, Robert Smith, I I did a a long-term deal with. And so trying to free up the cap space and trying to keep our, our core together. And the result, was a 15-1 and season in 1998 in Minnesota. Unfortunately, we didn't quite get to the Super Bowl. We lost in the conference championship game. But one missed field goal. Kind of, one missed field goal that Gary Anderson had, what, in, in 17 years? He misses in the championship game, right? Yeah, exactly right. He was he was 36 for 36 that season. And the, the one miss was with two minutes to go in the NFC championship game. And we're up seven. That would have put us up 10 and probably quenched the game. So... That was a tough one to take. That was one of the toughest defeats I ever had. But, but it was, as I said, we felt going to that season, we were so close that we wanted to go for it. And, and I, obviously, things come home to roost. And a couple of years later, fortunately for me, I was down in Tennessee by then. But a couple of years later, then the Vikings had to shed a lot of veteran guys and, and, be, and cut players and, and do things to be able to get under the cap. And I, and I think the, the difference back in those days was we didn't see cap increases of 10 million a year that they've seen for the last six, seven years until this year. Now, of course, this year, cap goes down 15. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. And it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult year and, and lots of veterans being cut, released, and being re-signed. And, but if you're close and you feel like you've got a, a really top team, then I, I think it makes sense to do what you need to do to keep the core together. If not, then no. I, I think that that really causes problems in the future with your cap and, and just creates issues down the road. And, and so I think it just depends on where the team is at. No doubt. And, you know, this has really been an interesting offseason, really unlike any that we've seen in the NFL in, in quite some time. And, you know, leading up to free agency, I've heard from, you know, people in front offices around the league, people on the team side of negotiations. I've heard from agents that, you know, there was real uncertainty over how this was all going to shake out. And when you look at the cap number dropping to 183.5 million, as somebody who's been in a front office, as somebody who's gone through this a time or two, 
How much of a constraint do you think that's been and how much do you think that's impacted what teams have been able to do so far? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's been difficult <clears throat> uh, unless, as I said, you're, you're willing to really kick the can down the road and, and do all these restructures and <clears throat> do these voidable year deals that Tampa Bay has done and a few other teams have done. Then in that situation, you, you can try to make it work, but it, it's, it's a really tough year. And I think everybody knew it going in and, and they knew what it was going to be like and, and that there were going to be some very tough decisions to make. And, and, I, and I think that that's, that's the case with a lot of teams and that have had, <laughs> had to release some really good players. And here in Minnesota, for example, Kyle Rudolph, who just signed with, with the Giants, uh, still a good player, but the Vikings did feel like they had two young tight ends and Irv Smith Jr. and Tyler Conklin, so they could let Kyle go and save $5.1 million on the cap, and he goes to New York and signs with the Giants, and I think it's a good signing for them and Daniel Jones with another target. And, and so... What do you think he brings to the offense? Of, what do you think he brings to the Giants' offense? Because obviously you have a young quarterback there in Daniel Jones whose receiving core really took a step back. Evan Ingram makes a Pro Bowl, but he had eight drops a year ago. Rudolph hasn't dropped a pass in like two years. So what, what is the upside for Kyle Rudolph in New York, in your opinion? I think, I think first of all, he, he has really improved his blocking. Uh, he's a big target, big guy, and he's, and he's excellent in the red zone. We saw that when the Vikings won the playoff game in New Orleans uh, two, two seasons ago, and he made the, had the winning catch at the back of the end zone. He's got tremendous hands, makes great catches, and, and he's a really good person, good community guy. He was a, a, a leader here with the Vikings, and I think he brings all those things to a, to a football team, and, and I think he really will help the Giants in that regard. He'll, he's very reliable. He does not drop passes, as you said, and, and he's also really improved, as I said, his blocking. So if the Giants get Saquon Barkley back, hopefully healthy and, and can amp up their running game, he'll be a big help in that regard too. So he's a good player. Another good player that the, the Giants signed is Afadio Denebo, uh, who our, uh, our agent group that I work for, IFA, represents. And Afadi had seven sacks two seasons ago in 2019, playing only about 33% of the of the, of the uh, of the plays on defense. And last year, it, it was a, a tough, he, he still led the Vikings in pressures. His sack numbers were down, but he, but he still had a, had a good year and was a little banged up. And I think he was a really good signing uh, for a, a, not a big amount of money at two and a half million dollars. And, and I was surprised the Vikings didn't tender a Fadi as a restricted free agent for 2.1 million. But again, the Vikings were, were tight against the cap. They had just signed the Giants' uh, former uh, defensive tackle, Dalvin Tomlinson, who I think is a good addition for the Vikings. They've also signed Patrick Peterson. And so they had to free up some money there. And it's just, it's really been a, an interesting year with, with, with the cap going down and with, with teams making moves. And, and Rudolph is one of the guys who was a, a cap casualty here. And I think he'll help the Giants. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think that he's just another weapon for Daniel Jones. But there were some people in and around New York that were kind of scratching their head about Rudolph and what it might mean for Evan Ingram's future. Is there a move around the NFL that you saw go down and you kind of scratch your head and said, man, I, I, I don't know what they're thinking or I can't believe that they gave that guy that much money on a long term deal. Was there kind of a head scratching move for you so far? Well, I think the probably the biggest head scratcher, <laughs> and first of all, with, with Rudolph and Ingram, they can certainly play in a two tight end offense, and Absolutely. which is which, which so many teams want to do these days. And we saw what Belichick is thinking, and and Josh McDaniels in New England with with their signing of Hunter and 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 Smith that they want that two tight end. So so Rudolph and Ingram can certainly play that role well. <clears throat> um, I think the head scratcher for me is Andy Dalton to Chicago and the Bears quarterback situation that they just haven't stepped up to either sign a big time guy in free agency or whether they're going to go back to the draft now, now they've officially given up on Mitch Trubisky and perhaps I think there's a good chance they will try to draft a guy in a good quarterback draft this year, but the Bears quarterback situation that's been a problem for the last several years and it's still a problem. And meanwhile, the bears are having issues in terms of the cap too, and let a, a two-time pro bowl corner and Kyle Fuller go. 
And so you see some of the moves that a team like that is making. And I think they're taking the, the other approach that they do not want to do a bunch of restructures. They do not want to s- spread things out. And as, as they say, kick the can down the road. And that's the other approach there. So, uh, but I think Andy Dalton in Chicago, I, I just don't see him as a, a guy that's going to take them over the hump and get them to, a, to the, be able to surpass the Packers and even perhaps the Vikings in, in the NFC North. And, and so that's just a, a short-term fix for them with Andy Dalton going to Chicago. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it just feels like a stopgap move for a GM and a head coach who probably should be thinking much bigger picture than that. And, you know, one of the things that's really been curious and unique this week that I've heard from, you know, agents on that side of the equation is that some positions might be getting lowballed, that teams are offering, quote unquote, identical deals to certain guys at certain positions that maybe another team is offering. What's your reaction to something like that? Is that just a game that gets played this time of year, or do you think that there might be some lowballing that's going on? And did that happen at all when you were inside the league? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any kind of uh, cause and effect in that regard. I think every deal is independent. I, I don't really see that that deals are are just being duplicated or whatever. I think the teams look at, at how they can improve themselves. And with, with less concern about, obviously, they're, they're checking the market and want to make sure they're competitive in the market as they're negotiating. But, but I, I don't know in terms of, of, uh, of that duplication, shall we say. I, I don't really see that as, as an issue for teams and really not, not a very good strategy if they're doing it. For sure. Now, you know, the big news that dropped on Thursday was the fact that the NFL came to terms on its new TV rights package. And, you know, just on the surface to me, Amazon getting an exclusive streaming rights deal for the Thursday night package. That's the, uh, arguably the biggest earthquake that we've seen in sports broadcasting rights deals, maybe ever. And it just feels to me like we're setting up for the floodgates to open for the next contract that maybe an Apple jumps in or a Netflix or, you know, another streaming service that maybe hasn't been brought to the forefront yet. And the untapped resources and wealth that can be pumped in the NFL off of that to me are really intriguing and have been intriguing even going into this deal. But what was your reaction to the TV rights package and Amazon getting such a significant piece of it? Yeah. Well, first of all, I was thrilled with the percent increase that's been reported and I think that's tremendous news, uh, especially now that I'm in the agent world right. and rep- representing players, because it, it means that that salary caps are going to go up, player salaries are going to jump exponentially. And and so that's good news from that standpoint, as opposed to back in my years in management, when I, I might have been concerned about, about player salaries jumping. But on the other hand, with revenue jumping, then it, it's fine in that regard. And and so I, I, I think... I'm certainly impressed that, that the NFL has been able to negotiate these great deals and continue to get increases, especially as we're in the midst of a pandemic. And, and yet I salute the, the networks for being long-term thinking in regard to, to what's going on. And it just, it just says that NFL football is still the big enchilada in terms of sports broadcasting. And, and as far as, as far as Amazon and, in the, in the streaming future and those things, I still think that the league will make sure that that the major over-the-air networks are, are going to get the, the best games and the biggest packages and be, because they still want the games to be available for the entire fan bases and, and not be able to cut people out who may not be able to afford some of the cable packages or whatever the case may be. And so... Uh, even though I guess ESPN is kind of in that category to a certain extent, but even still, when games have been on on an ESPN, for example, they've still or, or on Sunday night or whatever the package Thursday night. Usually, they've had a, had the game on another station too in the network in the in the home city or the teams that are playing, so the, the people can watch it that don't have those services. So, I think they're going to make sure that people can still have access to the games. And it'll be a mixed bag and they'll do whatever they need to do to make sure that the rights continue to climb. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Dak Prescott deal. I know that that's kind of last week's news and in the NFL with, you know, the the life cycle of news cycles these days, it might as well have been a year ago. 
But that's a deal to me that had one eye towards taking care of the player today and leaving both sides open for one more monster payday after these new TV rights deals three, four years down the line when Dak Prescott can cash in on a final big money contract. What was your reaction to that deal? And how much do you think knowing the, the revenue influx was coming had an impact on those negotiations and that deal actually going down? Yeah, I think my first reaction is that the Cowboys could have gotten him a lot cheaper a couple of years ago on a long-term deal yeah. and, and kind of stretched it out. And so from that standpoint, Dak played it well by, by not blinking and, and betting on himself on, short, on the short term in terms of the franchise tag. And, and it, it's paid off for him, and he's been able to capitalize on the deals that, that Mahomes and Watson signed, for example. And, and so I think the, the, as far as the dollar package, it's probably right where it should be at that, at that 40 million a year deal. But yeah, I think, I think he definitely could have been signed for cheaper uh, a, a couple of years ago, but that's the way it works sometimes. And, and we'll see what the repercussions are for a team like Dallas down the road. Now, now that they're paying him a ton of money, they were able to capitalize and really kind of build up the offensive line, be able to sign guys like, like Lawrence, when when they were when, when they were able to to have the lower cap number on Prescott, kind of similar to what the the Seahawks were able to do with Russell Wilson early in his career, and build up the Legion of Boom around him, and and so it's just it, it's hard. It, it's a, it's a tough deal when you're trying to to juggle a real expensive quarterback with the rest of your roster. And teams are, are, are seeing that, certainly. But with the cap rising over the next few years, it, it, it will all work out okay for Dallas, I'm sure. But, but, uh, but they definitely could have gotten cheaper a couple of years ago. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is one of these situations where it just was so played out and they needed to get this deal done. And Dak really had all of the leverage, especially after he got hurt. And you saw that team really stumble over the second half of the season a year ago with Andy Dalton and then all of the, the, you know, the roaming carousel of that quarterback situation there. And this has been really terrific and insightful, Jeff. And before I let you go, I'm just curious. I know that Super Bowls aren't won in March, and I had an executive tell me that he's been a part of some really raucous celebrations in March over big-time signings. But which team so far this offseason, be it free agency, trades, locking up their own, what team has really helped themselves the most? You say coming out of this point of the offseason has positioned themselves really nicely. I think you have to go to the, to the Super Bowl champs, Tampa Bay, and what, what they've been able to do, as I said, with keeping that core together that nobody thought they'd be able to do. So you start right at the top there, and then you think about some of the signings that New England's done. But I'm, I, I still have my doubts about Cam Newton at this stage of his career. And, and I think there are a lot of teams that have, that have helped themselves in free agency, but, but I'll just start with the, the Super Bowl champs. And I think they're, they're the team that stands out the most. Jeff, as always, appreciate it. This was terrific. It was insightful. Always enjoy talking football with you and appreciate you jumping on the podcast. And everybody should go and follow Jeff Diamond on Twitter at Jeff Diamond NFL. Jeff, thanks again. Best to you and your family. Stay safe out there. Hey, you too, Matt. Thank you very much. Take care. Yeah, that really was terrific insight from Jeff Diamond. And it's always great to get the perspective of someone who's been in the front office, who's made those decisions, who's made those tough phone calls during free agency on what they think teams are doing. And I agree with them. I think that the teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like the Buffalo Bills, who have spent the first week or two really solidifying and keeping their core in play. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Play season long best ball. Fantasy drafts where you only focus on the most fun part of fantasy, drafting your team. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. Underdog handles the rest for you. No waivers, trades, or setting your lineups each week. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100. Get $100 free. That's promo code radio. Terms and conditions apply. Are the teams that are going to be best suited going into this next year, especially coming out of a year that was so disrupted by COVID-19 that so much change and bringing in so many veterans from the outside might prove a little bit more difficult 
even more so than it has in years past, which was always kind of a fool's errand. But, you know, as normalcy is on the horizon and as vaccinations are improving and getting out there, and of course on Friday we just surpassed 100 million vaccinations since Joe Biden was elected president, so a major significant step back towards normalcy being accomplished, there's still, from my conversations around the NFL, a little bit of uncertainty about what 2021 is going to look like. And I had a conversation with a head coach a couple of weeks ago that, you know, he's concerned about what's going to happen this spring, whether there's going to be OTAs, whether there's going to be any sort of offseason program in terms of a conditioning program and getting guys in your building. And there's even another layer of concern that some teams are having. And the coach told me that, you know, you look around the, the country right now and some states are wide open. Some states are easing the protocols. Some states are still pretty locked down. And the worry among this coach with his team is, He's not so sure that every team is going to have every player come back if there is an offseason program, that some guys might not want to go through the daily testing and get holed up in a residence inn or a Marriott for three weeks and really have their life back in quarantine and back in the strict protocols before they have to. And there might be players that might not come back until training camp starts. Now, maybe that all becomes a moot point and maybe the NFL gets to a juncture in the next couple of weeks and after the draft where they can ease back and pull back on some of the protocols. Maybe as the vaccines get even more prevalent out in society and more Americans at large get vaccinated, that they can open it up to NFL players and NFL personnel, that that won't be a concern. But right now, the worry seems to be whether or not there's going to be a full offseason program and how many players are going to be willing to come back sooner than they absolutely have to to the strict protocols that the NFL put into place last year. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there, and certainly the NFL draft is on the horizon and a lot to talk about there and free agency continuing over the next couple of weeks. But I just wanted to thank each and every one of you for tuning into the podcast. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store in SoundCloud, Stacking the Box. It's the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast feed on Fansided. Thanks to Matt Chatham and Jeff Diamond for lending their insight and their time today. I thought they were really terrific interviews and it was great to hear from them. And also just wanted to thank Kerry Banani and Patrick Allen. He, of course, hosts the Arrowhead Addict podcast with Matt Verderam. They've all been really instrumental in not only getting this podcast off the ground, but Matt was really pivotal in bringing me over to Fanside and I couldn't be happier. So uh, follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL and hope you all have a great weekend, a great week. Look forward to talking to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show, part of Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.